Good morning. Thank you for having us here, and uh, we are so grateful. Actually, we supposed to come a while ago, but there was like snowstorm and everything. But today, we made it. Just want to share you a little bit background. Uh, Sinan, I was born and raised from Cambodia, and uh, as a children, as a children. We went through the killing uh, or this war that took place in 1975, in April 17, 1975. And um, the regime had killed over two and a half million people. And, uh, and also it's known as the killing fields, as you probably have seen a, long, uh, a while ago. In the early 1980s, as a children, we escaped and searched for freedom. Sina and her whole family uh, escaped Cambodia and found herself refuge in a refugee, in a refugee camp in Thailand. And um, her family accepted the Lord in the refugee camp. And I escaped by myself to the refugee camp, came to New York. And the Lord found me in the Bronx, New York. And also, we met in the Bronx as well. After high school, I went to uh, uh, Nyack College and uh, uh, finished graduate in 1991 while she now pursuing her nursing school in Long Island. And um, then we married in 1992. And then I graduated in 91. I was pastoring at my home church in the Bronx for three years. And, uh, and then in 1995, we told our family that we're going to go back to Cambodia. When we, we announced and told our family that we're going to go back to, to Cambodia, and, and people were shocked. And they said, like, why? Why going back to the killing field? And we told, we told them that, no, we're not going back to the killing field. We are going back to the living field. And God has been really uh, using us there for 26 years. And it's an amazing journey. And now, uh, please, the next picture. This is our son, Justin. And... Uh, in July 2017, before we went back to Cambodia, he decided to get married. And uh, it, he, he, he was studying at Crown College in Minnesota, and he was like a sophomore. So we decided to marry them. And uh, uh, 2021, when we came back, they gave us two grandchildren. And uh, also the uh, uh, missionary with the alliance. It's been six weeks now in the country, but it's just, I cannot share with you. And uh, please continue to pray for them. And right now they study language. And yeah, they both are nurses. The next one, please. And uh, our youngest son, Jonathan, graduated from uh, Dalat in Malaysia. And now he's with us. And uh, he studies HVAC right now. And uh, hopefully he graduated in June 
and uh, when he finished, then he'll find a job, so then that he can uh, we we can go back to Cambodia in July, and he will be here. Sorry, because I my tongue a little bit uh, because I have a cold sore, so uh, um, God is still using and I can speak better. Like two days ago, I couldn't even speak. And uh, thank you. And uh, uh, and also the scripture um, today I want to read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 28. Jesus came to them and said, all, 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 all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The theme for Alliance this year is all of Jesus for all the world. And uh, lost people matter to God. He wants them found. You have played a unique role to participate in this great commission fund in Cambodia and all over the world. And the story that you are going about to hear is involved you. Because you've been praying, you've been supporting to the Great Commission Fund. And what you've been praying and giving to the Great Commission Fund, that put us in the front. And uh, we are so, so grateful. And the story that you are going to hear, it involves you too. And uh, thank you. The Cambodian people, uh, which is also the Khmer people, beside those years and decades of war and hardship, you would not notice because they are most cheerful people, very, very hospitable, and they greet one another very gentle, and they will bow their head and say, and full of smile, despite of the hardship. And so because of that, when visitors go to Cambodia, we are known as the people from the land of smiling. And when we first served in Cambodia, uh, because of some security and safety reason, we based in the capital city. Three days a week, we travel to remote places, two and a half hour to three hour bumpy back, breaking rice, and we spend uh, two, three hours with the administrator of the people, and we make sure to come back home on time before curfew. And so the road to each village is uh, hot and back breaking. But when we arrived, the people would rush in and give us greeting and hugs. And they don't just come and greet us. They come bearing gifts. No matter how poor they are, they always bring bags of gifts, always uh, produce they from their farm, coconuts and mangoes and bananas. And they will find whatever they found the night before, any edible proteins, either crickets or crabs and frogs or snakes, they will bring bearing gifts. At mealtime, they make sure that a big feast prepared for us uh, teachers. And sometimes when they ran our ideas, they would chase a big fat chicken and butcher it and kill and prepare a feast for us. Uh, now, Cambodian, because of poverty, they eat tiny fishes and rice. That's a basic meal. But so when the poor give that big fat chicken for us, we feel guilty. And, you know, don't want to take from the food from them. But we learned that this was their way of showing love and hospitable. If we refuse their giving, we unsolve their hospitality. So we learn to graciously receive the gift and exchange the gift um, to, to them at the same time. 2016, uh, we wrap up and serve the Lord uh, in the northwest of Cambodia called Poipat. 
And uh, just want to share with you a little bit briefly about that. Like when we moved there in 2003, a lot of landmines. There were 15 casinos that was built in the no man land between Thailand and Cambodia. And also a lot of uh, uh, human trafficking exit in and out in that area. So we moved there and a lot of snakes, which is, you know, I can share you more, the snake stories. And uh, we wrap up already everything. And uh, we, when we, we, we say that when we go back in 2017, we're going to go to a lo- another location which is not too far from Boypat. But in January 2017, we got a phone call from our field director say that, Suit and Sina, would you consider go to a new location? We said, well, and he mentioned that on Long Way. You say Long Way is up north. Yeah, and, um, and uh, when we heard the name, because like, Boy Pat was the last stronghold of the Khmer Rouge regime, gave up. But on Long Way was the last headquarter of the uh, Khmer Rouge regime to give up. When we heard this story, with, with the name, it just flashed back memory when we went through the killing fields. And uh, we pray and ask God to reveal and to uh, give us at peace if we're going to go to this place or not. So we feel, I mean, like, just like at peace, like, yeah, we're going to go. And we kind of say, like, God saved us during the killing field. He spared our lives. And he even spared our lives when we live in the Bronx, New York. <laughs> and uh, also, um, uh, he spared our lives when we were in in uh, Pat, and for 13 years there, and now we said, yeah, we're going to go and uh, to this place. And when we say yes, we face so much opposition. So we were in Nyack, New York at that time when we say yes to our field director, and we feel an overwhelming peace, but two days afterward, we experienced overwhelming opposition. Um, the enemy was intimidating us. Um, that week, our son decided to get married. And we were in Nyack, and our the departure date was July 3rd, and they were going to school in Minnesota, and the only weekend we have left was June 24th or July 1. And so they chose July 1, and the stress of planning a wedding from a distance so our son can study in Nyack. And then afterward, at Crown, oh no, one son studied in public school in Naya and one was in Crown College. Then that same month, same, same week, um, my brother, who was 47 years old, six foot one, um, father of yeah, five children, basketball player, strong and um, athletic, didn't have a cold. And it lingered on to cough, to doctors keep guessing. Pneumonia, asthma, allergies, keep testing one after the others. By mid-March, he was diagnosed as stage 4 liver cancer. And by May, it was spread all over his body, and he was moved to hospice care. Around April, we got a phone call from Cambodia. So his younger brother, who was also about the same age, had some health issues, but so went to seek help in, um, in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, they, he ended up having some medical complication, and he died in Bangkok. 
So the family had to make an uh, expensive funeral arrangement to bring the body back from Bangkok to, Thai, uh, to Cambodia. And that was really hard. I said, and then at the same time, we are uh, from a family of seven and eight kids, and we are next in line to care for our, our elderly mothers. And we have our mothers who need care for us. So at that moment, if we decide not to go back to Cambodia, the field will understand because we have good enough reason to remain. But after we pray about it, we say yes. So when we arrived, because our ticket was already purchased and we arrived uh, with the traveling plan and all, we knew that we had one day to look for a house in this completely new place and no teammates, no friends. We'd never been there before. So we got in, and then July 6th, we uh, we, uh, July 5th, we went, we dropped our stuff in boy bed, and we drove three hours to in Long Wing, checked into a guest house. On July 6th, we went knock on door, look for a house to rent. And we literally knocked on door at 13 houses. By 4 o'clock that day, we signed, one, signed a contract to one house. And then we drove to, back to boy bed because July 7th, we had to cross the border to go to Bangkok, Thailand, to join the field team for field forum. And as we went uh, about enter into the field, uh, the bus to go to Bangkok, a phone call from Virginia that my brother went home. And so we remained in um, Bangkok for two weeks. Um, towards the end, we came back to Cambodia, and we arranged for traveling for move from our stuff from Boy Bad to Long Wing. So we had three trucks, and the normal driving is three hours, so we planned five hours just in case. But the trip took. 11 hours, and we arrived at 2 a.m. Um, at night, pouring rain, pitch dark, hungry, tired, no hotel, no guest house, no food, everything closed. That was really our lowest moment. We thought, what is this evil place? And uh, so we, uh, all our sleeping supply was still in barrels. And we, the house was not clean, and so there were 13 of us moving. And so, and then we said, um, you know, at that time, had we have one-way tickets with the Alliance, we would pack back the next day. <laughs> but we stuck for one-way ticket there. So we continued to clean the house and do the best we can. By day five, we got, I'm tired of cleaning. Let's go explore in Long Wing. And we, we opened the gate and was, the rain continued because we arrived in rainy season. And when we looked outside, it was all flat. The whole district was covered with floods. Some area was chest deep. This is odd because Anlung Wing is by the foot of the mountain. This flood they never had before. And so as we wade through the water, all those houses that we said no to were all underwater. Our house was on dry ground. God spared the house for us. And then after we settled down in July, August, I took our younger son to Malaysia for boarding school. Uh, and then when they came back, we, we kind of asked around, um, we asked the local people, do you know any Jesus people around here? The Christians are known as the Jesus people. And we asked the local uh, church leaders that introduced us to uh, some potential Christians. And we met some leaders. So we, we, we went and met Pastor D and Mr. Kong. And uh, we met them and then we told them, back, we're going to be here and work with you for four years. And they look at us like, Shock and surprise, and Pastor Pastor uh, D talk and cry and say like, 
you know what? Before you came, we were on our knee. And we've been praying for two years that God will send somebody to us, teach us God's word. And we told them, like, now God sent us to you. But we said that. But you know what? Before we decide to come to this place, and we're supposed to go to another location. But your prayer must be stronger than us. That's why God sent us to this place. Yeah. And please watch this video. And uh, this, is, this is how it starts. And uh, revival and uh, just turn everything upside down. Please watch it. I was a violent man, a drunk and evil man. I had no love for anybody. One day, I was working in an empty charcoal oven when the wall caved in on me and my little boy. I heard my wife cry out, Jesus, help my husband. I felt two hands grip my shoulders, and I realized I was already outside the cave. I choked and coughed out blood. Then my right eye popped out of its socket. Immediately, my wife and a neighbor took me to the nearest hospital. Every doctor in every clinic said that they could not treat this kind of injury. I told my wife, you must take me to your church. I have no other hope. When we arrived, I asked the pastor to pray for me. As he prayed, I felt something from inside was pulling my eyeball to its place. And when everyone opened their eyes to look at me, I shouted, I am healed. I was overwhelmed with joy and in awe that God had healed me. After I got out of the hospital, my heart was restless. I could not stay still. I just wanted to go and tell everyone about Jesus. I often walked to distant places. I kept praying to God for clear direction. God, you have done so much in my life. From now on, whether I live or die, I am devoted to you. Where you send me, I will go. First, I shared in my own village. The people all knew what kind of character I was. After I came back, everyone was amazed by my healing, and they said that I was a different man. Some who saw the changes in me began to put their trust in Jesus. The workload was overwhelming to me. I cried out to God, I can't do this alone. Please send someone to help. When we came, it's just like so desperate need. We have not heard any church existing here. It's just like spiritual hunger. We met Kang on a boat ride. He's a natural networking person. Wherever his relatives live, does the church exist? All he knew that go and share the gospel. Sometimes he calls us like, I'm here, I'm there, away from home. Talk to this person, that person. They received the Lord already. It's amazing. We told him that there's so many that we, we, we cannot catch up with him. God answered my prayer and sent you. 
I was so happy. My faith began to grow deeper. You are helping us understand God's ways. We cover three villages a week and do all-day discipleship classes in that each village, including two floating villages. In the last two years, we've seen God's planted 12 Alliance Church groups, and about 130 people came to Christ. This is our goal to see by year 2021 that in every village, every tribe, every tongue in Cambodia, to have a church, a place of worship for the people group. We plant churches because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. But it in Jesus' heart, or He cared for the lost soul, and that's why we here follow Him. I am grateful to God for saving me, and I have committed my whole being to serving Him for the rest of my life. Nothing makes me happier than to see lost people find their way back into God's kingdom. Our God is a real God, not just a storyteller. Not yeah. just once upon a time story. Yeah, stories. once upon a time story. <laughs> this is real. This is true. That He's worked in the life of His people. And He still does miracles every day. In a boat, I talked with him at length about his story. Um, as told in this video, he was the most fearful man in town. He and his uh, seven brothers, they hunt crocodiles in the Dunle Sab. So, and they more feel like big brothers. And so, before the accident, Kang had two wives. He was abusive, alcoholic, and uh, beat them up so much, he, they have scarves all over. So, um, the wife escaped, ran away from him, and they went to hive in, in Lung Wing. So he tracked them down and found them there. When he found them and learned that they had new faith in Jesus, he said, how dare you, you disown our ancestor God. Give up, renounce, otherwise I killed you. One by one, the wife said, you can kill me, but I'm not giving up my Jesus. So when he discovered why would his wife or, or in the past have been obedient to him, now they will bow and stand up against him. So maybe this religious is not too bad. Then the accident happened. And they, after that happened, the eyeball uh, popped out from his, um, he, he coughed and the uh, eyeball hang out on his cheek by the optic nerves. And so they took him to four clinics in the local town. One by one, the clinic said, oh, no, we cannot treat this kind of accident. Take him to the hospital. And then finally, he told his wife, you take me to your church. Whether I live or die, I will want to die in your church. At church, the pastor prayed for Anusar and gasped fear. Please take them to the hospital. And he told the pastor, no, you pray to your God for me. And then reluctant, uh, and 19 other people lay hand prayer, doing the prayer, but the pastor feel that electric shock, like um, warm in his thumb, uh, in his palm. And at the end, when he say amen, in front of 19 people, the eyeball returned to its socket. But he was still coughing blood, and blood dripping his ear and his nose. So the pastor insists, put a collection, then send him to the hospital in uh, about two and a half hour ways. And so at the hospital, the, uh, he explained the nature of the accident. The doctor took him in um, and had some blood tests and x-rays and CAT scan. 
while Kang and his family waited for the result, all those patients in the hospital um, drew near. Nobody survived this kind of accident. Wow. Are you a witch doctor? You must have some power, some spell, because nobody survived this kind of accident. And he said, no, I'm not a witch doctor. And some said, do you have any magic? I buy from you at any cost. Please sell to me. He said, no, it's the God of my wife who sell or heal me. The doctor came back with the blood paperwork. He said, doctor said, will the blood stain on your ears and your nose and the soot on your body prove that you have this kind of accident? But how you got healed? The paperwork did not show any damage at all. It's a miracle. Go home. And with that, he was just gasped. When everybody else had this kind of accident die, why would God spare his life? Then he came back. He stopped by the clinics one by one. And the clinic people, are you the guy with the eyeball pop out? He said, yeah. How? Who healed you? He said, Dr. Jesus healed me. And so he went, <laughs> he went to the village. And at the accident, you know, the whole, it happened during mid-morning. So the whole village came and watched him. Wow, you're healed. And again, he testified, Jesus healed him. And then he told, There's a, Jesus is one true God. He's healed me. And those who saw the accident put their faith in Jesus. But many did not see the accident. And they, they saw the change in him. And because four days before the accident, he was the most fearful man. Now he's pleading with Jesus. And he cried. And when, when people show resistance, he showed to them, You all know who I was. You see who I am today. It's not me. It's Jesus who changed me. And with that, it drew a lot of um, people come to the Lord just to find out who are these Jesus people. And our people pray and um, declare at God's word. And so we, we simply follow Mr. Kang and his relative, and we invest heavily in discipleship and leadership training. And so when people come and draw near and far, and a miracles happen. Our people had no, no money, um, so they have no means. If they have sickness or anything, they have no means to go to the doctors. So, but believe Jesus at his word. And they said, Jesus, you promised that all authority belongs to you. You promised that when we two or three gather in your name and you answer our prayer. So our child is sick with fever. So fever, in the name of Jesus Christ, you leave my child alone. And in every illness, sickness, toothache, in the name of Jesus, you leave my child alone. And with that, people, God answered prayer. And they saw instant healing. So much so that people had um, all kind of demon-possessed and uh, mentally ill. They came and the disciple prayed and they saw healing. And word spread more near and far. And this draw more people. And the people draw. And then this upset the witch doctors and the healers of the area. So they found way to harm Christians in so many ways. Uh, Mr. Kang, sometimes he go to, uh, he come to class, and one time he have um, sacks full of grains that he saved for seeds as well as for rice for the whole year. When we came back home, the whole pile of grain filled like poisons. Somebody poured poison on his grain. And he said, Jesus, this is all the food we have. We have no money to buy food. So they pray over the grain, and he told his wife and his family, he said, don't eat. Let me want to eat alone. If it's poison, 
only me die. The rest of the family will survive. So he took a portion of the grain and washed and washed it, and he break and he cooked it, and he ate it. And at first he felt some dizzy spell, but the next day he was okay. So the family ate the whole grain for the whole year. And then we also said, are you afraid? Because people are looking for a way to harm you all the time. And he said, yeah, that crossed my mind. And he said, what about, we asked him, what about the water? They might poison your water too. And he said, oh, that's okay. You know what? I have this jug of water. And before I go to school, to class, I usually put a goldfish in the jug of water. So when we come back, we peek at the water. Is the fish still swimming? And the water is still good to drink. <laughs> and this happened. And the Christian of the, of the village are looking for a way to harm them. They stole their chickens, their ducks, the cows, the motorbike, and everything. The picture before, there was a little motorbike. And Mr. Uh, Mr. Kong, like, that's his most prideful possession. At nighttime, he lifted up the motorbike and put it by his bedroom side so can, nobody steal it. When he wake up in the morning, he had this burden that I must share the next person about Jesus. And then he looked at his tank, it's empty, or maybe a half of liters left. But he needs three liters to go to one village. And he said, Jesus, I must tell people the next village about you. So I have no fuel. So you have to carry my motorbike. With that, he prayed and he started the motorbike and he drove. And he went and reasoned with the people. And after he won people to the Lord, he couldn't re- start his motorbike. And the people were in awe by the good news. And when he said, oh, it's empty tank. Well, let me fill the tank for you. So the, he trusts the Lord but before the blessing come. He obedient. And those who believe in him have the same DNA. They said, I, we must tell Jesus about, uh, other about Jesus. And so my soul, this lady who was... Um, um, had a, a crippled hand for 38 years. And her family, in Cambodia, people go to witch doctors or healers for help. And so they sold everything to look for help. And after we lost everything, Christian said, um, why don't you give our God a try? He has power. And she reluctantly agreed. And so the Christian go and pray for her. Week, two weeks, three weeks, she was able to stretch her arm and walk. As a result, her nine kids came to Christ and the whole family, a church was born because of her healing. And so as more people come to the Lord, near and far, um, so for us, um, you know, okay, and, and so um, it just, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, and the people near and far, um, um, they just have to tell and they trust God to, to go to, to share the gospel. One lady, she had 5,000 real left, which is equivalent to $1.25. That's all she had. And she go to the uh, gas shop and said, she wanted to fill her motorbike. And they said, one liter only. One liter cost um, 4,000 real, which is a dollar. And, and the girl pumped the gas said, why are you in a hurry too? And they said, well, I must tell people, my auntie, she, who is old, and I must tell her about Jesus. Who is Jesus? You don't know about Jesus? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. And just like that, she tell her excitement near and far, and the girl keep pumping gas. And then, <laughs> and at the end, auntie, how many liters you want? I told you only one liter. That's all I have left. And said, well, I already filled four liters. Uh, well, well, your story is so exciting. Let me pay for the other three liters. 
and with that, she on fire said, oh, hallelujah, I got four liters for one dollar. And uh, just and she go and share the gospel. The passionate is so powerful. And they could not stop. And uh, sometimes Mr. Kang would, uh, you know, he's a very simple man. He um 54 now. He was a boy during the Khmer Rouge regime. He never had school. Yet when God special anointing on him, when he opened his mouth, people of all class stop and listen. Sometimes he share um, the good news to a complete stranger. And the man prayed to receive Jesus and run back home. When he got home, the wife said, um, you are different. A few days ago, you left home, you were grouchy and grumpy. You're different. What happened to you? And the child said, yeah, dad, you, you changed. Your whole continent changed. What happened? And he said, well, I met this guy named Kong, and he told me about his, name, his new God named Jesus. And I, I listened to him, and I prayed to receive Jesus. So I have Jesus in my heart now. Yeah, you changed. Do you have Kong phone number? And with that, the Kong, the wife would call, are you Kong? I said, yeah. You told my husband about your God, Jesus, right? Yeah. Can you tell me about him? And just like that, he told her and the family. He led so many people to the Lord that whom he never met through the phone. So for us, he was like, Pastor, when you pass through this village, make sure to stop by. The six people come pray to receive Jesus. And we told them, slow down. We cannot keep up with you. So as more people came to the Lord, we had people flock. We don't have a building, so we worship under the mango tree or something like that. And as more people come, we said, come, anybody come. Because in Cambodia, with poverty, um, people seek help and to come to church for help, for rice, for medicine, for all kinds. So we said, come, come. But if they said, no, what you tell about me, about Jesus is so good, I want to know more. Please tell me more about Jesus. So we explain the salvation to them. And if they agree and they say yes, we ask one more more question. We ask, are you willing to cut off your spirit string? And they pass. You see, in Cambodia, in a rural area, uh, because of um, ancestor worship and all the spiritual realm, they go to witch doctors or healers for any kind of needs. So the witch doctor would, for a price, put a string and they wear around their bodies all their life. This string promised protection, prosperity, and good luck. So they wore this. So when we, the people say yes to Jesus, we ask, are you willing to cut off your string? If they say yes, we told them the cost right away. Is it? Are you aware, a young wife, when you go home tonight, if your husband finds out that your string being cut off, you might be beaten and divorced. Is it okay by you? Teenagers. If your parents find out that your string being cut off, you might be kicked out of the house or rejected. Adult, you might not welcome into the Buddhist community. Is it okay by you? And if they say yes, we told, ask them one more question. Tonight or the next couple of nights, you're going to have dreams, bad dreams. Demons going to come intimidate you and, 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 and vision and scary. But that's okay. If you truly believe in Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Just shout Jesus and those demons will be gone. Is it okay by you? And if they say yes, then we told them, show us your string. And with that, with that permission, we cut off the string. And we burn the string in front of as a public testimony that their old life is being cut away. They now belong to Jesus. 
And for us, when we go to the village, we take our, our, not only the Bible, but a pair of scissors along with us too. <laughs> so when they cut off the string, that's when we now we count the number of true believers. Then we hook them up in discipleship class and baptizing them accordingly. And uh, that's how we got them. But as the church grows during that time, COVID arrived, and we had difficulty as well. Our people mostly are construction workers and working in the factories. When all those places are closed, they lack of food and supply. And so we, we had to cancel um, four weeks of classes. And I teach our students said, teacher, you cannot just cancel church. You cannot just cancel church. So we told them, well, yeah, we, we have to obey the law. So you take the lesson and go practice with your family and people. And they did. After four weeks of resuming class, they all came by the number. And during drought, during our COVID, we experienced three more major floods. Our people lost crops. In Cambodia, when they have difficulty, there's no um, Red Cross to help. People just suffer. So we did food distribution. Our, our church people all dropped off food and eggs at the people. And the, the people saw the hand and feet of Jesus. And so much so that during the 15 months of COVID uh, lockdown, we had 10 new churches planted. And, and so, and also the test continue on our part. And you know, when, when, when the ministry prospers, the enemy know, and he tried to rob our joy. For us, um, during the, at the beginning of, of lockdown, our, kid, our, our child was in Malaysia, tried to get into Cambodia, and we got him in just four hours before border closed. And two hours after he got in, um, my mother, who, who is 90 years old now, um, my oldest sister was a caregiver of my mother. She decided to clean some gutters, and she fell off the roof and broke her back and bones, and she was... Then I, in panic, I had to look for a way on who going to take care of mom from a distance. And the testing continued with the floods and the drought. And our, family, our church people had our fire destroyed our cashew plantation. So we cried. We cried with them. On May 28th, just before we left, it was a really hard time for us. One son got home stuck for eight months trying to do study online with no internet. Finally, we got him back to Malaysia. He was graduating and celebrating. um, We made through. We went, we tried, we couldn't go to him. At the same time, our older son said yes to Jesus, was being commissioned at council. And we wanted so much to be there. But we couldn't. We got stuck and we had a good cry. So on May 28th, we decided not focus on ourselves. We go to visit to one village. We went and we, we told them, that we're going to go to America for one year and you're going to be here. Stay strong. And the people said, you just introduced us to Christ and now you're leaving us? You're abandoning us? Who's going to teach us your God's word? And we told them, don't worry, you're in good hands. This teacher is going to take care of you. Uh-huh. Before you go, can you share the same message to my parents in another village? And we follow, and we went. When we arrived, about 60 people were waiting for us. And so Sud shared the gospel and evangelism message. At the end, 30 people prayed to receive Jesus on May 28. Then we told them, this is a church, right? They said, yeah. So what we could name this church? And they said, let's name it Corona Alliance Church. So you have a Corona Alliance Church in Cambodia. Looking back to the spring of 2017, 
we had so many obstacles. Just when we say yes, had we obey our emotion and feeling, we would miss our big time. What we learned, our we thought we went to a long way to start from scratch, but we found out that Jesus was already in a long way. His footprints was in the book of miracles and healings. And people near and far come to the Lord. When we met Kang, we inherited five villages who were four months old Christian. And after discipleship and discipleship and discipleship, in June 2021, God raised up 21 house churches and nearly 2,000 people came to Christ. Had we obeyed our feelings and stayed in America, we would miss our big time. God was already there moving. We just follow his footsteps everywhere. So, 21 house churches. In Christian, in Cambodia, um, community gathering in the Buddhist temple. The Christian come to Christ, they consider us traitors. You abandon our religion. You no longer welcome here. So when the Christian gather, where did they gather? Every time we have a big gathering, minimum 500 to 700 people. We don't have a building. We don't have a center. We worship under the trees, shade of tree. But what is the rain? So with that, God put a burden in our heart to have a community center for these 21 house churches. To have a center, a temple of their own identity. And for the Christian, at the same time, Kids in rural area only go to fifth grade education only. There's no, no school in remote places. Unless you have a rich family who live in the city, you send your daughter or son to live in the city and go to higher grade. So this kid uh, quit school and then go to work in a farm and eventually looking for a way to find work in Thailand or across the border. But most of the time they end up becoming um, sex trafficking and human trafficking. So we cannot change the cycle of the poverty. But what if we build a dormitory in the center where kids can come and study and bicycle to higher grade? And so this God put a burden in our heart. And some kids said maybe they don't have um, book smart, but they can learn skill like beauty salon, a pedicure, a manicure, but they can learn in a long way. And this is the burden God put on our heart. And, and we felt that God uh, uh, is in it because during the COVID months, God did amazing, just like you inherit this building. In the COVID month, when everything shut down, God sent people sent money, and we had approved special. We were able to buy a property right between two schools, and we uh, we talked with the school principal, and they on board because we promised that when they have it done, we're gonna build a soccer field, a library for the kid, a computer lab, a dormitory. And it was just at the whole, the place is just, and they all on board with us. And God showed up during the COVID. Why would he raise 21 house church and abandon them? So we believe that our God is big. He's going to bring the money to the part of the center we're raising for. So would you join us to give the lost people in Cambodia a chance, a building of their own, an identity that they belong to Christ as well. So continue to pray for the 21 house churches. And if you want to sign a follow-up with our ministry, there's a table in front. Please put your email so we can update you monthly. And continue to give to the Great Commission Fund and, uh, and pray. And if you can, come join us to Cambodia. <laughs> and also, if you cannot go, try to support and encourage young men and women that would like to go to mission field, supporting them. <laughs> 
maybe not Cambodia, maybe some other place. Please continue to do that. Thank you, and thank you so much. God bless you.